Right. It is great to be with you all this morning um, and, uh, and worship. Um, my name is Chris, and, uh, and I'm one of the elders here, which means that, which means that I serve on our leadership team. Um, and so in, a, in our meet and greet time um, I, that we just had, I asked you to share something that you love. Um, so now since I have this mic, it's my turn to talk about what I love. Um, so a couple things. I, I love to play volleyball. Um, I really wish that I had started earlier on in life because I didn't learn how to really play until college. Um, but this is my chance to live vicariously through my son this summer. We're going to have a volleyball boot camp so that I can get him all ready to try out for the middle school team coming up. Um, I love to watch Ted Lasso. Are there any Ted Lasso fans in here? Awesome. Um, and I'm not sure that there's been another TV show that's ever made me that happy in my life. So I am fervently praying for a miracle of another season, even though they said there's not going to be one. I, I'm praying for that. Um, and like I'm guessing many of you do too, I absolutely love food. Um, and while I can certainly appreciate a, a fancy gourmet meal, I'm not sure that there's any food in the world that I would prefer over this. Now, to the untrained eye, I must admit this might look like a jumbled heap of food on a plate. But what this is, my friends, is essentially culinary perfection. This is green chili chicken enchiladas from my home state of New Mexico. So you've got shredded chicken and, and tortillas and lots of cheese and a delicious green chili sauce made only from green chilies grown in the Hatch Valley of New Mexico and roasted on site. And to go along with it, you have to have authentic sopapillas. That's the bottom right corner. So these are fluffy pillows of fried dough, okay? And you bite a hole in one of the corners. Debbie knows what I'm talking about. She's, she's West Texas, New Mexico. Ariane, love it, love it. Arizona, yep. So you bite a hole in the corner and you squeeze honey in there. And it magically, as you're eating, it takes just the right amount of the bite off the spice, you've got the sweetness of the honey, so that you can um, continue devouring your spicy meal while you have the sweet to take off the spice. So you've been educated this morning. Um, and, and some of you who, know, who have known me for a while likely knew at least one, if not all, of those things that I mentioned that I love because I tend to talk about things that I love. And, and I want to take a moment to thank you for listening to me talk over the years. But I think that's the case with most of us. And that's my first point today, that, that you share what you love. Okay? But I'll tell you that while it comes naturally to me to talk about volleyball or, or Ted Lasso or green chili enchiladas or my family or my friends that I love dearly, at times, for whatever reason, it can feel more challenging to talk about my first love, which is Jesus. Um, you know, last week, Beth talked about how when we decide to follow Jesus, God gives us a mission, right? God gives us a mission to tell others about Jesus. 
But I know that for me and for many others that I know, sometimes that can feel awkward. Let's just be honest. It can feel awkward or weird or or nerve-wracking. And that's something that I think God has been trying to work with me on. Um, So I sensed him asking me to share that with you all today in case you are on a similar journey. And also I want to recognize that that some of you here today or or watching online may have not yet decided to, to follow Jesus. And I want to tell you that your perspective is incredibly valuable here. And my prayer is that people have talked to you about Jesus in ways that are authentic and and genuine um, without any high-pressure tactics or manipulation. But if that's not the case, let me be the first to apologize um, and to welcome you into conversation. You know, any of the leaders here and, and many, many others within our community, we'd love to share Jesus with you. Um, and, and listen to your experiences and any questions that you might have. And, and I would love any input you'd have about how people could talk about Jesus with you in a way that would best connect with you. So in my faith journey, uh, I want to tell you that talking about Jesus has often felt intimidating to me. In college, I was part of a, a group called Campus Crusade for Christ. Um, which was a great organization. I made lots of great friends and received some really valuable mentorship. Um, Evangelism, which means talking to others about Jesus, was a big, big deal at Campus Crusade. And in fact, we'd go on trips where where we would approach people um, with pamphlets and uh, and tell them about what we called the four spiritual laws, about who God is and what God had done for us through Jesus, with the hope that the person would pray a prayer and decide to follow Jesus. I remember one of these trips, we went up to New York City, and I remember, you know, so I went to, again, I'm from New Mexico, went to college in Texas, so New York was a different world, and I'm walking on the campus of NYU trying to get somebody to talk to me about Jesus, and I'll tell you, my heart was pounding as I would ask somebody if they wanted to talk. And, And let me be completely clear here, there are definitely people that came to know Jesus this way, and and I praise God for it. You know, we were taught to be very respectful and and very kind whenever somebody didn't want to talk, and I do do believe that our efforts honored God. But I think unintentionally, um, I imagine, it created a perception in me that evangelism needed to be this really polished presentation where you have to know exactly the right words to say at exactly the right time in order to successfully close the deal. And that, that I needed to find the right opening with someone when I, when I talked to them and then know all the right words for all of the four spiritual laws and then be able to perfectly answer any question that they might have. You know, no wonder my heart was pounding inside of me. So while again, this is certainly a method by which people have come to know Jesus, it's interesting that it's not necessarily the example that we see most often in Scripture. So in the gospel narratives, we often see, pe- we, we often see examples of Jesus impacting people's lives in amazing and powerful ways. And because people loved what had happened to them, they can't help but share. They simply had to go tell people about what Jesus had done for them. We go back to that big idea. You share what you love. So let's first take a look at the Gospel of Luke, where there was a man who had many demons 
living inside of him. Jesus commands the evil spirits to come out of the man. And in a fascinating turn of events, the demons run into a herd of pigs. But that, that's what I want to focus on today is the man's reaction. Okay, after this had happened, let's read what we, what we hear. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with Jesus. But Jesus sent him away, saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. I'm guessing this was not a hard ask for this man. He had been rescued from a state of complete misery. Earlier on, Luke, to Luke tells us that he hadn't, um, uh, that it had been for a long time that he hadn't been wearing clothes or hadn't been able to live in a house because he was so disturbed. And suddenly, he finds himself in his right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus. We see that he told everyone around the town what Jesus had done for him, because you share what you loved. The most important moment in his life had just occurred. And of course, he wanted to tell anyone and everyone about it. But while, while the scenery here is dramatic when we've got the demons hopping into the pigs, in many ways, it's not all that different from what Jesus has done for each of us who have decided to follow him. We know that in our own power, we couldn't live, we can't live the life that God wants for us because of the bondage that we have to sin and selfishness. But, but through the life and the sacrifice of Jesus, we can be forgiven and we can find freedom and live the abundant life that God has for us, walking in relationship with Jesus. And we all have personal specifics to that story, right? You know, maybe it's a specific situation that God rescued you from, or, or something in your life where God brought you deep healing and, and restoration, or, or an opportunity you had only because God provided it. So let's take a moment now and reflect. I've got a couple questions for us. Think about what, what has Jesus done for you? And do you find yourself telling others what Jesus has done for you? Why or why not? So let, just, just sit with that for a moment. You know, as I, as I ask myself that, well, I'm, uh, and again, maybe it's because it's Father's Day, but it made me think of my kids. Um, um, you know, they, they went to Christian camp this week, and... Uh, um, uh, and to seeing how God is creating in them their own faith, it's amazing, right? That, they, that they're coming to know Jesus for themselves and express their faith to their friends and the, and the Holy Spirit is, work, is at work in their lives. You know, I think it's, I naturally talk about their accomplishments and their grades and their activities, but I don't think I talk enough about what God is doing in their lives and, and the miracle of growing faith within our kids. So what is it that Jesus has done and is doing for you? And are you sharing that? Are you telling other people about that? Why or why not? Let's look at another example. In John 4, uh, Jesus has an extended conversation with a Samaritan woman who is coming to get water. 
And this conversation was revolutionary in many ways because Jesus as a Jew typically wouldn't even associate with a Samaritan woman. But instead, God supernaturally gives him wisdom and information about this woman's life. And then he goes on to tell her how she can have eternal life, to drink the living water um, so that she will never be thirsty again. And she is thrilled to hear this news. And so now let's look at her reaction. What, what do we see her say? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. And then we read a few verses later in John. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. So to me, this is a fascinating example of evangelism for a few different reasons. This woman is not even completely sure what happened, right? But she knew that she had a powerful encounter with Jesus, and she had to tell people about it. And look how people responded. That enthusiasm that she had provided the motivation for others to go and seek out Jesus for themselves and find out what he was all about. So that's a great example of the next point, that Jesus doesn't need us to prove him, okay? So I think at times I felt pressure that if, if I'm going to talk about Jesus, I need to have this ironclad case that proves beyond the shadow of a doubt everything that I believe about Jesus. I, I need to have responses for all of the questions that people might have about how Jesus could be fully human and fully God, um, about the details of the resurrection, about how to prove all the miracles we read about. But when we look at this encounter that this Samaritan woman had with Jesus, we don't see any of that. What, what do we see? So first, um, next slide, we see she did not give a full gospel presentation. Remember, she wasn't even sure who Jesus really was. She said, could this be the Messiah? This was not a buttoned-up presentation of the four spiritual laws. I, I imagine her just running into town and saying, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what happened, but it was powerful, powerful beyond words. Could this be the Christ that I've met? And look at what happened next, even though even though she didn't have everything figured out, her boldness in sharing about Jesus led others to find out about Jesus for themselves and become believers. So hopefully this gives us freedom to share what God's doing in our lives even when we don't necessarily feel like we have all of the answers. You know, when we see God at work in us and around us, like the Samaritan woman we can humbly say, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure of everything yet, but I think, I think God is doing something. And then the Holy Spirit can use that humble testimony 
to draw people to him so that they can find out for Jesus, find out about Jesus for themselves. And that's critical to remember as we think about sharing Jesus with others. While God, God absolutely asks us to share about Jesus with others. But remember, you or I, we don't bring salvation to anyone. Okay? Only God does that. We are his partners. We are his ambassadors to pave the way. But we must be careful to remember that it's God and only God who brings us from death to life. Paul articulates this truth in 1 Corinthians. People were disputing about what Christian leader to follow, all of this drama, and Paul says what? What after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. So this is Paul, the Apostle Paul talking. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. To me, this brings freedom. You know, while, while it's my job to share Jesus, I'm not, I'm not a car salesman who has to apply pressure and, and close the deal before I go home for the night. My job is simply to plant seeds and water seeds by telling others about Jesus and who Jesus is to me and inviting others to follow Jesus for themselves. So these snapshots um, uh, have lead me to several different aspects of, of rethinking my evangelism model that I wanted to share with you all this morning. So first, we aren't, we, we aren't lawyers proving a court case, okay? So I don't need to get all defensive um, or, or feel like I have to disprove doubts or questions that other people have. God is simply asking us to share who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. We say in that song, what a friend we have in Jesus. We just need to share that friendship that we've found in Jesus. Two, we aren't responsible for saving people. Only God does that. Okay? I think at times the church, not, not necessarily our church, just the church in general, like we've put so much emphasis on statistics and counting exactly how many people we've saved. But remember, we, we haven't saved anybody. Only God, only God can save people. So let's instead focus on, on sharing, sharing graciously and abundantly who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. Next, we don't have to have all of the answers. Let's not miss opportunities to tell other people about Jesus because we're scared that we won't have the right answer for a question along the way. Again, look at that enthusiasm of the Samaritan woman. She didn't have all the answers, but she ran. She ran to tell people about Jesus. You know, of course, there are times when someone's going to be ready to, have a ready to hear a complete presentation of the gospel and we should be ready in those moments believing that God will give us the right words at the right time so let's ask God for the confidence to share about Jesus without being shackled by the fear that we might not know the answer to a question received we sang it this morning I'm no longer a slave to fear we don't have to have all the answers the Holy Spirit is at work in us and through us and finally 
it doesn't have to be a one-time conversation. Really, it shouldn't be a one-time conversation. So I, I think at times I felt like I had to find the exact right divinely appointed moment to tell a friend about Jesus. And so I would get paranoid. Like, is, is this the right moment, God? Is that the right moment, God? And you're like getting all stressed about it. But remember, we share what we love. If we love Jesus, we should be talking about Jesus on a regular basis, day to day. And it does not have to be this lengthy academic presentation every time. You know, again, maybe it's top of mind because it's Father's Day, but I think there's, there's, there's a parallel here to the talks that we who are parents have with our kids. You know, I, I think more and more about that now that, now that our oldest is entering his preteen years and, and those big topics in life that you talk about. You know, you talk about sex and, and money and culture and, and Jesus. And none of those should be one-time conversations. You know, they sh these should be ongoing conversations. We don't have to cover, we don't have to read the whole book every single time. We can naturally share more and more of our experiences and our perspectives on an ongoing basis. So a danger here, what I, um, what I want to make sure we don't do, I don't want us to say, well, we don't have to have all the answers. We're not the people, we're not the ones that save people. And so therefore we don't really need to talk to people about Jesus. I think it's the exact opposite. You know, what God has been putting on my heart is that these realizations should give me the freedom to talk about Jesus far more than I do currently. Because it takes away the pressure of feeling afraid of, of messing up. Instead, I can know that I have found a friend in Jesus. And I can naturally share what Jesus has done for me because I love him and he loves me. And I can join with what the psalmist says in Psalm 89. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. What a great example. How long will we sing of God's love and God's faithfulness? Forever over and over and over again, throughout all of life's ups and downs, even when we aren't exactly sure what's going on. So recognizing that this is an ongoing thing brings up another key truth for today, for the next one. Loving others and sharing Jesus go together. They go hand in hand. Jesus had a lot to say about this. You may remember him saying that the greatest commandment is to love God with, with our whole heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Loving God and loving others always go hand in hand. So for full transparency today, um, that first point today where I said you share what you love, I stole that. I, I borrowed that from the national director of, of Vineyard USA, uh, Jay Pathak. And he also makes this connection between loving others and sharing Jesus. He says this, if you actually really love Jesus, he permeates every piece of your life. There's no part of you that Jesus hasn't grabbed a hold of. And here it is. And when you love people well, you share what you love. Very simple. Nobody makes you do it. 
you share naturally what you love. So as we consider our mission to share Jesus with others, it always has to be in the context of loving others. I love the picture we get from Paul as he talks about his ministry to the church in Thessalonica. So we see this in 1 Thessalonians. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So the image I get here uh, is that Paul and his ministry partners were deeply invested, right? And deeply involved in the life of the people in the church at Thessalonica. So they told them about Jesus, but this was not like in college when I'm at NYU just having a random five-minute conversation with someone. You know, Beth talked last week about how Paul and, and his ministry partners would return over and over again to these churches, to disciple them and nurture them and grow them in their faith. This is long-term relationship of loving people where people over time can hopefully see, see for themselves the impact that Jesus has made in us and that it's consistent with the words that we share. And when you look at our context today, right, modern day, um, our, our culture, our society, I venture to say that the need for this type of relationship, both for those of us that follow Jesus and those who haven't yet committed to following Jesus, I think it's deeper than maybe it's ever been. Because I'm guessing you've read articles and research that talk about how, you know, on one hand, we're more connected to each other than we ever have been through social media and digital means. But on the other hand, we're extremely likely to feel lonely and disconnected and isolated. Um, researchers have even called this the, the epidemic of loneliness. Here's a couple of stats that really jumped out at me. 43% of Americans said that they sometimes or always felt that their relationships are not meaningful and that they're isolated from others. And you look at the date there, it's 2018, that's before COVID. Certainly things didn't get any better, things got worse, let's see the next one. So a, a study from Harvard um, in 2020, 61% of people aged 18 to 25 reported serious loneliness. About half of lonely young adults reported that no one in the past few weeks had taken more than just a few minutes to ask how they're doing in a way that made them feel like the person genuinely cared. It's a really, really tough place to be going weeks without feeling that anyone genuinely cares about you and how you're doing. And I'm guessing that, that many of us have had periods in our lives where we felt that way, or maybe you're even feeling that way currently. And, it, and it's certainly not easy. So I think part of the bigger picture of sharing Jesus is taking the time to engage people in meaningful conversations meaningful conversation so not just small talk about sports and the weather but actually taking the time to be present for people asking them how things are really going in their lives and listening listening well and it's in those types of conversations that we can often share our, our own journeys as well 
right, and naturally share about Jesus. But it takes time, and it takes intentionality. It's, it's taking the time to sit down with people over coffee or, or go on a walk with someone or invite someone over to your house for green chili chicken enchiladas and sopapillas. <laughs> Jay Pathak puts it this way. So back, back to him. Those of us that love and follow Jesus need to remember that the world is desperate for depth. People are starving to have something worthwhile in their lives to talk about. And we have discovered that in the life we have in Jesus if we live deeply and we love deeply. Now, especially since this is Father's Day, this is something I want to commend our men's ministry for. They have done a fantastic job of creating time and space for guys to have meaningful conversations with one another. And I'll admit, this is something that doesn't always come easy for our gender. You know, Paul Graham is our pastor's husband, and he has an incredible gift for mentoring and intentionally pursuing conversation that goes beyond small talk and, and into real life. So consider this a side plug for, for getting involved in our men's ministry. It's a great way to get connected to others, and it's also a great space to invite other guys into as well. So with that side advertisement done, a couple questions that I want us to reflect on today. First, am I creating time and space for meaningful conversation with others? Think about that for a moment. So this is something that I struggle with. I'm one of those people that, um, uh, that could be diagnosed with chronic busyness syndrome. You know, I tend to fill up my life with activities and commitments, and they're good things. They're things that generally give me life and, and are rewarding, but I sense God nudging me to make sure that, that I have margin, right? Margin to simply be present with people when I need to be, when God, when God opens a door to be. You know, and as I think, some of my most pivotal moments in friendships have been when I've been able to take time to just be present with someone, or conversely, when I've been going through something difficult, when someone was willing and able to, to set aside what they were doing and make time for me. And next, it's not enough to just make time. If we can't be trusted to listen well, protect confidentiality, and genuinely be present for others. So we need to do some challenging work of looking inside our own hearts and ask ourselves, can people trust me so that they can be vulnerable and so that they can be honest? Am I the type of trustworthy person and, can, am, and am I asking God to cultivate that within me so that God can help me create a space for people to have those conversations? I think a key aspect here where, I've, where I have seen people hurt unintentionally is that pe people should never feel like a project. Okay, let me say that again. People should never feel like a project. We should never befriend people or invest time with people just so that we can tell them about Jesus. Okay? We care for people simply because they are created in the image of God. Okay, there's a key difference there. Um, it makes me think of a few years ago, back in the height of the multi-level marketing craze, remember when everybody was selling everything? And, and my wife 
got a few phone calls from long-lost friends. And she was so excited that they had reached out to her and seemed to want to reconnect and invest in their friendships, only to find out that all that they really wanted was to sell her something. And so in order to trust us, people have to know that we care about them without an agenda. Right? Just caring about them as people created in the image of God. And finally, when we're having those conversations, I found that one of the most impactful things that people have told me when they've shared about Jesus with me is, is my last point here, that Jesus offers us meaning and purpose. Jay Pathet alluded to this too. These are things I think all of us innately long for, right? We want our lives to have meaning and direction and, and value. And as Pastor Beth shared last week, we're given, we're given a mission when we follow Jesus. We don't, we don't simply get a ticket to heaven. Jesus invites us into his mission of restoring all things and restoring all people. We see this from the beginning of Jesus' ministry when he calls his first followers. Let's see what happens. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. I find it interesting here, once again, we don't see this full presentation of the gospel. Rather, Jesus presents a simple yet very challenging offer. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. This isn't just pray a prayer one time. It's a call to a new way of life, to join the mission of Jesus by sharing Jesus with others through our words and through our actions. So a couple things to note here. First, Jesus went to where Peter and Andrew were. Right? He went out to them where they were fishing. He didn't wait for them to come to him. We can't necessarily wait for people to walk into these doors of our church to tell them about Jesus. People will know that we really care when we enter into their worlds, learn about them, listen to them. And secondly, Jesus affirmed the mission and the potential that God had for Peter and Andrew. And we can share the mission and the purpose that we've found in our relationship with Jesus, how that, how that has transformed our lives. And we can also speak to the potential that we see in others for God to use them. We can bless others in amazing ways by telling them the gifts and the talents that we see in them and how God could use those in amazing ways. Follow me and I will make you fishers of people. So as we conclude today, here's the challenge that I sense God putting on my heart for us. Two things. Um, first, let's ask God for boldness, okay? Let's ask God for boldness to share what God is doing in our lives, to get rid of that fear and that awkwardness so that we can just naturally share, share what we love. And secondly, let's ask the Holy Spirit to show us moments where we can encourage others by sharing how we see God at work in their lives, by speaking over them that we see the potential that God has for you to make an impact for the kingdom. So let me pray for us. I'll invite Daniel and the worship team to come back up. Father God, Lord, just thank you for 
for my friends that have gathered here today, God. And Lord, we, we are so thankful for what you've done for us, God. And I pray that you'd help us to make that top of mind, Lord. All the things, all the ways that you've changed us, that you lead us, that you love us, God. And help us to just be bold about sharing what we love, God. That we don't have to have all of the answers. We don't have to prove you to anybody, God. But that we can just have the freedom to share who you are, how much you love us. What a friend that we found in you, God. And I pray you'll help us to prioritize our lives in a way that, Lord, that we prioritize other people and loving other people authentically and genuinely, God, that, Lord, that we could be the kind of people that are there for people, Lord, when they don't feel like they have people to listen to them or when they feel alone or isolated, God, put us, put us in a place to care for people well and love people well. Lord, and may your spirit flow through us Help us to listen well, to care well, and just be your presence for people in our world. In your name I pray. Amen. We're going to conclude today by singing the blessing. Um, many of you may know this song, but today I'm going to ask you to think about it in the context of, of what we're talking about today, sharing Jesus with others. And there are powerful words to this song that, that we can speak over other people in our lives. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and bring you peace. That there is a God who is with you and who is for you in all circumstances. I'll be honest, typically when I sing this song, I make it all about me. The Lord bless me and keep me. Make his face shine upon me. But let's get out of that this morning and think about how we can speak these words over others in our lives. Who is it that God's putting on, on our hearts and our minds to say the Lord bless you and keep you? Who is it that we can bless and share Jesus with?